A roundtable discussion, increasing employment after spinal cord injury. We'll meet with three experts. Dr. John O'Neill is Director of Disability and Employment Research at the Foundation. Dr. Trevor Dyson Hudson is Director of Spinal Cord Injury at Kessler Foundation. And Dr. James Malik is Director of Research and Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Indiana University School of Medicine and the Rehabilitation Hospital of Indiana. Carolyn Murphy sat down with our three experts to discuss this collaborative project. Dr. O'Neill, let's start by describing the scope of the problem and the data on returning to work after spinal cord injury. Well, the data on returning to work uh, after spinal cord injury is um, uh, there's a very small proportion of the folks who do return to work after spinal cord injury. Um, actually, Dr. Malik or Dr. Trevor might know the statistics better than I, but I I think I remember um, a quote from uh, one uh, review study on employment after SCI indicating that it was about 23% after 10 years. Yeah, something like that. 28%? 28%. Model system data? Yeah. So the scope of the, pro- the problem is great. Um, and so we decided to, um, I think about a year ago, we had decided to um, um, focus on spinal cord injury and uh, bring some more vocational rehabilitation uh, services into inpatient, um, and the inpatient stays are very short, uh, so what we'll be doing is uh, obtaining people's interest and consent uh, to work with them while they're in inpatient, but primarily to follow them after they're discharged for at least two years with uh, pretty assertive um, uh, employment service coordination uh, efforts. So, and, and just for me to jump in, so John talks about this assertive employment effort. So I, one of the times that we met, John described this as back to the future. So I was injured about 23 years ago, and, and at that time, I was in the hospital for five months. And during that time, it allowed us to have the luxury of discussing me returning back, or what would I, at the time I was in medical school. And you know, you, when you have an injury like this, your whole life is turned upside down. And you wonder if you're even gonna be able to, to go back to work. Let alone, you know, some people, I shouldn't say lucky, but are lucky enough, perhaps are in a vocation or in a, a direction where it's easy for them to easier for them to continue pursuing that that line of of work and others have to totally reinvent themselves so for me i was in there long enough that that um that i could meet with vocational counselors there was a lot more support at the time through the hospital through the state there was coordination outside with the local advocacy groups so it was a much more hand-on hands-on um guided uh, a process, and today, now, um, in in now 2015, 2016, people are in the hospital for maybe two to three weeks if they're lucky. 
So there isn't time to even think about uh, work. You know, you're just trying to get your your life back in order. Your um, and and to th even think about vocational efforts. So something. You know, I think that's a very good model, though. To you kind of put it on people's radar that this is a possibility even when they're inpatients. Because mm -hmm. as you know, I mean, our, our experience has been more with the brain injury population. And you know, you, you, you gentlemen are translating into spinal cord. But when we started this, it was about 20 years ago. And we had some time on the inpatient unit to talk with people with brain injuries. Uh, you know, these, these days, I'm not sure how practical it is because often when they're getting inpatient rehab, people are really just kind of starting to process things cognitively. So I'm not sure if we put it on their radar, it would stick, you know. But, but I think with spinal cord injury, uh, since people are less cognitively impaired, you have that opportunity. And, you know, what we found back when we started it is uh, it gave people a lot of hope, you know, that this, and again, you know, we, we made it pretty clear that it might be a while before we're really getting mm -hmm. serious about back to work. But just, you know, for them and their families to know this is a possibility really gave them a lot of hope, and I think sure. it's a very, very positive thing. No, and, and the families are often thinking about this. So the person who's injured is focused on the rehabilitation and the changes that have happened with their, their injury. But their, their family member may be thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this is either the primary breadwinner or a major contributor to the income for the family. Uh, how are, what are we going to do? And so they're meeting with members of the team, um, you know, to for the case management team. And so the employment service coordinator is this person who's part of the grant is um, establishing a connection with that newly injured person or the family to just say, hey, there are these opportunities. You know, once you're discharged, once you're home, we can continue to talk and have an ongoing conversation about uh, you know, returning to work and, and uh, what are the services that are available for you out there. You know, another benefit of getting engaged with them early on was it also gave us a chance to talk to their employer. Mm -hmm. and, you know, at a time when, especially it was a relatively you know, small business, you know, uh, when the employer was very much on their side, you know, wondering, you know, what's going to happen. And, mm -hmm. to, and again, we kind of engage them and say, you know, maybe, maybe a few months before we're back in touch about getting back to work, but, you know, could, could, you know can we get in, in touch with you? And, you know, and, and again, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty willing to help out at that point. And, sure. and just making that contact made, a, I think, a big difference. Because I think in our initial brain injury sample, about 40% went back to their former employers. Mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, sometimes not in the same job. You know, they may not have been able to do the same job, mm -hmm. but but their employer was engaged enough that they were willing to give them a job and, uh -huh. and work with them in terms of accommodations mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, we've seen some instances of that in spinal cord injury as well. I mean, if they're if somebody's lucky enough to have been in a field that and and then sometimes with a larger company, they will accommodate them in another office or somewhere else. So. Trevor, could you um, talk about the partners in this project and uh, the role that the uh, model system will play? So this, so the partners in this project are um, the Kessler Foundation, Kessler Institute. Of course, this is a grant provided by the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation, um, which um, I can go into a little further um, later. Um, 
I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody, so I'm going to feel bad about this. But um, also joining us, well, of course, Jim uh, Malik from uh, um, from Indiana University, and then uh, New Jersey Department of Vocational Rehabilitation Services, United Spinal Association, also, and uh, each of these people are is providing kind of a, a unique piece to this puzzle. So, um, uh, of course. This is all coming through our model system, which is through Kessler Foundation and Kessler Institute. So somebody who's newly injured, um, there will really be this team effort to to address their vocational needs. So there'll be the grant is helping to support someone who's an employment service coordinator. Um, as we already mentioned, this person will meet with the newly injured person or their family. and. Uh, We'll be working with, you know, with the New Jersey Department of Vocational Rehabilitation Services to identify what are the outside resources, vocational resources. We're working closely with Brian Fitzgibbons, who is with uh, the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation Services. We're also working with United Spinal Association. They've developed an employment peer mentor program that actually was a program funded by the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation as part of a sustained impact project. Um, so we're partnering with them to, you know, kind of bring what they've developed to help support what we're doing with these individuals. All right, Dr. O'Neill, can you tell us how long this project is funded and what outcomes will determine efficacy? Okay. Well, this is a three-year project. Uh, the Craig H. The Nielsen Foundation is providing us 300000 over a three-year period. And um, the funding is uh, primarily picking up the, the cost or um, a lot of the cost or all of the cost in the beginning of the employment service coordinator. And then um, after a year and a half or two years, <clears throat> the... Uh, Department of Vocational Rehabilitation in New Jersey is uh, uh, going to provide us funds to continue uh, that person's salary over time because what the Nielsen Foundation wants to do with this particular grant mechanism they have is to create a project that um, improves quality of life um, and is sustainable after the Nielsen Foundation funding is over. Um, and we have a target of working with 50 individuals over the three years. Um, um, and uh, I forget exactly what our target is in terms of return to employment, but we're hoping I think at least 50% will, will be uh, within a two-year period uh, will be uh, returning to work or school, as the case may be. It's all about the development of human capital, which includes education as well as employment. Um, you know, our, our hope, uh, the other, another aspect of this grant, which is very important, is our partnership with Dr. Malik and his team. Um, when we first contacted Jim, uh, he uh, let me know that uh, they had been thinking uh, of in Indiana of um, 
of applying this model to their SCI patients as well. And so this was a nice opportunity for our collaboration. And, um, and there's, a, there's a, a, a very substantial um, uh, manual that uh, the people in Indiana have for the implementation of this kind of intervention uh, with folks who have TBI. And it's being, uh, it's being used throughout the state um, and by, by their vocational rehabilitation program. And we're going to work together in terms of um, modifying, adapting the manual for SCI, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Dr. Malik, can you talk a little bit about resource facilitation, the integrated model for this project, um, and s- some of the experiences and successes you've seen with it in the brain injury population? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's... it's uh, it's basically a very common sense kind of whatever it takes model, you know, and, and that is really the essence of it. Uh, it's to help the person, you know, with brain injury or spinal cord injury, in this case, uh, can make the connections they need in order to have a successful return to work. And uh, so, you know, that may mean do they need a little more rehab? It may mean do they need some way to get to work? You know, they may not be able to drive at this point. Uh, it may mean making a connection for those first job interviews. You know, in brain injury, we'd often uh, hook people up with a job coach uh, who would assist them, you know, uh, on, on site to relearn some of the aspects of the job that they were doing. Uh, you know, in spinal cord injury, I would imagine it means many physical adaptations. You know, are they able to get to the place where the work is done? You know, and what what kind of adaptations need to be made to accommodate their wheelchair, their ability to go to lunch, you know, their ability to use the restroom facilities. You know, all those things are not necessarily standard in small businesses. So, I, I, you know, I could go on and on, but, you know, the, the job of the person in that case coordination role or resource facilitation role is really to work with the person who's injured to figure out, you know, what are their goals and what do they need to get there in a very practical way and help them put those things in place. Uh, You know, I think for for a lay person, sometimes the reaction is, why do you need somebody like that? You know, why, you know, why, why can't they just do it? Or at the very least, why can't their family just do it? And, you know, our experience is that, in fact, many people, and, you know, I'll include myself, just aren't equipped to do all this legwork, you know, all this phone work, and and to really, uh, you know, put a focus on the things that they need. And, you know, when you think about people who are newly injured and their families, you know, in, in many, many, many cases, maybe all, I think a lot of their focus is just getting through the day, you know, and dealing with, with you know, the, the, the very pragmatic things that, that you have to deal with with a new injury. Uh, so, you know, putting another thing like this on their plate just becomes impossible. And, you know, that was our experience in brain injury because for years, you know, we would 
you know, when they left the inpatient unit, we give them the, the, a card that showed them how to get to the, uh, the, the uh, state vocational counselor's office, which in fact was about two blocks away from the hospital. And what we found out is 90% of the people never got there. And if the ones who did got handed a sheaf of, of farms to fill out, that completely discouraged them. <laughs> and, you know, we're absolutely necessary, but completely uh, discouraging. And so, you know, they would take those home and throw them in the drawer someplace. That would be the end of that. You know, again, by introducing a person like the resource facilitator who can get them over to the voc counselor's office, help them with those forms, you know, get the medical data that they need to get into the VR system, and then, you know, like I said, follow them through, through all these pragmatic kind of uh, situations to figure out who can help them make the connections they need get, to get back to work make, just made a huge difference. So, you know, the rates of, of unemployment among brain injury are similar to those for spinal cord, you know, 30%. Uh, 40% at best, you know, if you follow people over a long period of time, whereas with a resource facilitation model, we're getting, you know, more like 75, 80% back to work. So basically doubling the, the work rates. And I would imagine, this, you know, we'll see similar results with spinal cord injury. Well, we know from our Kessler Foundation Employment Survey that people with disabilities are striving to work. So we know yeah. that that desire is there. Uh, I think anyone who's ever job hunted in their life understands the challenges mm -hmm. of that process and would have to understand that people with disabilities have even more challenges in what's already a very challenging process. So it sounds to me like this project is going to fill a tremendous need in facilitating those people who want to work and are striving to work and helping them channel their energies and their efforts so that they achieve success. Yeah. You know, another uh, role of the resource facilitator is to help the person with injury communicate with the potential employer and also kind of address some of the, you know, misconceptions and, and fears that the employer might have, you know. I mean, brain injury, it seemed like everybody was worried that they were going to have a seizure at any time or, or run wildly through the plant, you know, or lose control, and, and you know, that just never happens. And, you know, for, for uh, our, our resource facilitator to be able to say, you know, number one, that's not going to happen, and number two, if it does, give us a call and we'll be right down, <laughs> I mean, made a huge difference, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, I, I mean, no offense to, to uh, these employers, I mean, these are just common misconceptions. I imagine there's similar ones in spinal cord injury, but again, to address those uh, uh, kind of preemptively uh, could make it make a huge difference and kind of get the the employer on board. You know, in fact, the statistics show that people with disabilities are excellent employees. You know, and and uh, community and there's also some financial benefits to employers to hire people with disabilities. So, you know, then, then to make the future employer aware of all those those benefits can make a big difference. Also, would anybody like to add anything? One little thing I would like to add, I've been following Dr. Malik's work for quite a while and um, just as a person who is interested in brain injury and employment or employment with any disability, uh, disabled population, I was always impressed by the fact that 
at least in the beginning, it was an early intervention during the inpatient stay. And I think we're beginning as, as, a, as a community, as a nation, to begin to realize that early intervention is extremely important. Um, a lot of people slip on to the Social Security roles, disability Social Security roles, um, simply because there isn't that early intervention, that attempt to do what you need to do in order for the person to go back to their same employer, maybe in the same job or a different job. Um, so the early intervention a aspect always interested me. Um, and it's also uh, an intervention that's a light touch. It's not, <clears throat> it's not throwing a lot of preconceived services uh, in a very structured, highly structured model. Uh, it's doing what's necessary for the individual and then coordinating the services in the community. Um, and I would venture to guess that if you did a cost-benefit analysis of a highly structured approach like supported employment versus resource facilitation, you would find that the costs would be less with resource facilitation and the outcomes would be no worse and maybe better. So. No, I'd just like to emphasize that part of it too, is that it really is the job of the resource facilitator to facilitate, right. not to direct. So, uh, and, I, and I believe that's a, important to the success because, yeah. you know, it has to be a person's job and a, you know, of a job that they want and then their own goals. Right, and, exactly. Yeah. And just to add on to what Jim and John have said too. I mean, what's nice uh, this this the, the perp this grant is really bringing individuals from all the key uh, players in vocational services for people with disabilities. In this case, spinal cord injury. But there are people here who are are there to provide service for people um, and sometimes it's just connecting those dots so there's people who know what to do how somebody can work but still qualify for benefits um, and how to do that within vocational services there's a uh, great resources provided through United Spinal Association and uh, having this person who's you know the employment service coordinator can connect these individuals with the person with spinal cord injury so that they can get back to work. For more information about rehabilitation research at Kessler Foundation, go to www.kesslerfoundation.org. That's www.kesslerfoundation.org.